0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Woo! Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you guys look good. You, you kind of look a little full, though, but that's still a good thing. Did everybody get enough to eat for Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I sure did. That's why I'm going to keep this jacket buttoned up this morning. Uh, I'm thankful for many things, but in this Thanksgiving season, which is one of my favorite holidays, my favorite time of the year. I'm, I'm thankful for one thing in particular this morning. To fully understand why I'm so thankful for that one thing this morning, I, I kind of got to go back and tell you a story. Actually, I, I've got to make a confession. You see, I'm here, and I am a failed senior pastor. Years ago, I had a team who depended on me to work out all the details and figure everything out, and I let the team down because I didn't think through everything. I was nine years old. uh, (laughs) And I tried to start my own church. (laughs) So here's how the story goes. My dad has been a pastor my whole life. He's still in the ministry. He's in Haiti, pastors churches over there. I grew up in church. My mom, she's a prayer warrior, has a Bible in her hands at all, all times. So I grew up in church hearing Bible stories and all those sorts of things. But at a very young age, I was about nine years old, I got this illustrated Bible. All right, it was a small illustrated Bible. I don't remember where I got it from, but man, for the first time, the stories of the Bible started coming to life to me. And I read that book forward and backward. So if you were around me when I was nine years old, you got a mini sermon no matter what. And whoever would listen, I would preach to them a sermon. So my, my friends and, and my family... Uh, who were around my age, like my cousins, 8 and 10 years old, you know, the older kids, 11 years old, and they, they came to me and they said, you know, your dad's a pastor and he preaches. Why don't you prepare a sermon and you can preach your sermon to us? I thought that was a great idea. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do this. I'm ready to go. And then that kind of morphed into, well, why don't we just start our own church and we can just do our own thing? So we decided to do that. But me, being the pastor's kid and always watching my dad, I understood that I needed to hire a staff if I was going to launch a church. So we interviewed candidates, and I selected an assistant pastor. And he and I, we interviewed uh, a worship pastor position. So we got that person. And then the three of us, we picked our elders. And, um, well, they weren't really that old, but they were older elder than us, right? Uh, some of you may know them as deacons. And so we picked our team, and we've got our team together. And now here we are. The day has come. It is time for us to launch our church service. So we're ready to go. I'm fired up. I've got my Bible in my hand. And I get up there and I realize we had made a huge, huge mistake. We didn't invite anybody to church. (laughs) Yeah. So nobody came to the church service. So this morning, I'm thankful that we got people in the house. This is awesome. I'm glad you guys are here. I'm really thankful. That's awesome. let's, Let's pray and get this thing started. Lord, you are so faithful. Thank you for people. This is awesome. God, you speak and we listen. Amen. So right here, I have a basketball. There's nothing particularly interesting about this ball. This basketball, if I asked you to guess how much I paid for it or how much it's worth, probably if you guessed in the $20, 30 $40 range, somewhere around there, you'd actually be right. It's, it's about that much. If I told you this was a basketball that was used in the NBA and in those games, then it'd be worth you know somewhere around 100 bucks, somewhere around there. That's not really that important. 20 to 30 to 40, all the way up to 120, something like that. But what if I told you this basketball is actually worth $154 million? I got your attention. Yeah, but you can't have this basketball. It's mine. Now, this basketball, in my hands, it stays 20, 30 bucks. But once I put this basketball in the hands of someone like LeBron James, it's worth $154 million over the next four years. That's the deal he just signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. So let's take another example. What about this candle here, all right? This is cedar magnolia, it smells awesome, it's fantastic. I picked it up myself, I didn't let my wife do it, I did it myself, so I'm proud of myself. (laughs) I did this at Target, too, and I walked out with just this, so that's equally as impressive. So this cedar magnolia candle was worth $19.99. I didn't take the tag off. It's worth 19 dollars But what if I told you that this candle is actually worth multiple bestsellers, number one hit TV show? What if I told you that this candle is from the magnolia Connection collection from Joanna Gaines? And if you're newly married, you know exactly who Joanna Gaines is because you've seen the Fixer Upper episodes and the reruns. Yeah, just like me. So this candle goes from $20 in my hands to multiple bestsellers, hit TV show. And now Joanna Gaines has just announced that even though she's left HGTV to focus on her family, and it was a hit TV show. Even though she left that to focus on her family, they're coming back to television, but now they're coming with their own television network. So in my hands, it's 1999, and Joanna Gaines' hands, multiple bestsellers, hit TV show, and now your own television network. How about one more example? How about this guitar over here? We've got some incredible gear and incredible musicians here at Harborside. That guitar in my hands, I'm not going to pick it up because I don't want to break it, but that guitar in my hands is worth whatever he paid for it. But you take that guitar and you put it in Paul McCartney's hand, and now you've got the Beatles. Now you've got the most successful music group of all time. The statistics for that, 177 million albums sold. They're the number one selling music group of all time. To put that into perspective, Michael Jackson has sold 81, close to 90 million. It's almost double that that the Beatles have sold. So in my hands, it's just a guitar, Paul McCartney's hands. It's the most successful music group of all time. You see, all of us here, we all have the potential to do extraordinary things for the Lord. We all have the potential to accomplish extraordinary things for the Lord. But our struggle is between how we feel, and what God says. We all have the potential to go from ordinary to extraordinary. But our struggle is between how we feel and what God says. But if you feel this way, understand you're not alone. As a matter of fact, there's plenty of people in the Bible who have had to deal with that same struggle. And this morning, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how do you win that battle? How do you win that struggle? I need to go from how I feel to what God says. I need to go from ordinary to extraordinary. To do that, we're going to go to the story of Moses. right? We're going to crack open that little illustrated Bible that I got when I was nine years old. And I remember reading the story of Moses, and it just came to life to me for the first time. A few weeks ago, Tom Goodlett, he explained the what happened when Moses went to see Pharaoh and the plagues and all those things that ensued. And then right after that, Griffin Gilstrap got up here and he told you about Joshua and how he took the mantle from Moses. He, he was charged by God. Hey, Moses is gone. Now it's your turn. This morning, we're going to focus on a piece of that, a small piece of Moses' story. We're actually going to go before all of that took place. We're going to go to where Moses first met God. And this is the story of Moses in the burning bush. So here's a little bit of a background. So Moses was in Egypt. He leaves Egypt and he flees to the wilderness. He's in this faraway land. But now he's got his own family. He's got his own business. Everything is going fine. He's just going through life. And one day as he's walking, he sees this bush. And it's on fire, but the fire doesn't consume it. It's, It's not completely destroying the bush. And that grabs his attention. And then a voice comes from that bush and says, Moses, Moses. Now, if it was me, that's my cue to run. But Moses, he's there, and he says, here I am. Here I am. And what happens is this conversation between this bush and Moses. Well, the voice coming out from the bush was the voice of God speaking to Moses. And God begins to lay out the entire plan. Moses, I've heard my people Moses, it is time for the Israelites to be free from slavery, from the Egyptians, from Pharaoh, and you're my guy. You're the guy that's going to do that. Well, Moses then responds going back and forth with the Lord. Moses is telling God all the reasons why he's not the guy. It's like, but God, I, I can't be that. I've never done that before. I, I can't do that. I'm slow. The Bible even says he's slow of speech. It's like, I've got a speech impediment. How am I going to do those things? And they go back and forth And then we get to our text here where the conversation happens. It reaches to this point where God's angry with Moses. And he's like, all right. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. That's Moses. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out And took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Now you see, that staff follows the story of Moses. That staff, you see it mentioned many, many other times in the Bible. But it was Moses in this moment, in that moment in the conversation with God, he finally said yes to God. He said, okay, Lord, if you're going to do this, you can do it through me. In order for us to go from ordinary to extraordinary in order for us to move away from how we feel and move into what God says we must stop disqualifying ourselves like Moses we've got to stop disqualifying ourselves Moses went back and forth with the Lord I can't do this because of this I can't do this because of that as a matter of fact when Moses finally goes to see Pharaoh he's 80 years old Moses had excuses, but God had purpose and he had a plan. So if we're going to move from how we feel to what God says, we must stop disqualifying ourselves. So let's move on to a different story. This is a story I love. I love this story. This is a story of David, right? So David, we he's got a complex, really, really complex story. Where we're going to take this story is the point where David is anointed king. He is going to be the next king of Israel, but he's still very young. We're years away from David actually being King David. Well, the moment that we're taking it from is David and Goliath. And if you know the story of David and Goliath, you've got Israel on one side, and then you've got the Philistines on the other side, and you've got Goliath. Goliath is a big dude, all right? I've never been a big dude in my life, but I've got big friends. You know, they kept me away from the bullies and all that stuff. I've been friends with a few Goliaths in my day. Goliath is a big dude. He's nine feet tall, all right? That's, that's like two of me. He's really, really tall. And it even says that the coat he's wearing weighs 120 pounds. The spear that he has is like another 20 pounds. Just the spear head is another 20 pounds. And he's standing on this side, all right? He's on the Philistine side. Sorry to call you guys Philistines. I, I love you guys, all right? We're going to be Philistines for this morning. So he's on the Philistine side, and he's saying, bring out your strongest warrior. Bring him out. Let's face him one-on-one. Bring him here. We're going to we're- we're go head-to-toe and we're- or head-to-head, and we're- I'm going to take this guy down. Bring out your strongest, most formidable warrior. And then you've got David on the other side, and David's on the Israelite side. But before David actually even goes there, there's something that happens. David hears about what Goliath is saying. He's like, who's this guy? Who's this Philistine saying all these things against the armies of the Lord? Does he know who God is? So David goes to Saul, who is the king at the time. David goes to Saul and says, hey, Saul, I'm going to take this guy down. But David is still young. You've got nine feet tall, 120-pound coat, and you've got David, young guy. The Bible says he's handsome. Uh, he's probably smooth-faced, hasn't had to shave or anything like that. And so David is on this side and Goliath's on the other side. So he goes to Saul and says, I'm going to take this guy down. So Saul says, all right, if you're going to do that, take my armor. So this is where we take our story from. Saul put his own clothes on David. He put a bronze helmet on his head and dressed him in armor. David put on Saul's sword and tried to walk around, but he was not used to all the armor Saul had put on him. He said to Saul, I can't go in this because I'm not used to it. And David took it all off. He took his stick in his hand and chose five smooth stones from a stream. He put them in his shepherd's bag and grabbed his sling, then went to meet the Philistine. So David he has got all this armor from Saul. You're going to need this to protect you. You're going against Goliath. He takes it all off, says, I don't need any of this. And he goes and grabs five smooth stones and a sling. So Goliath, big dude, 120-pound coat, spearhead, heavy, David, stones and a sling, a slingshot. And he goes after Goliath. Now we all know David wins that battle. But if we're not careful, we'll miss this point right here. In order to go from how we feel to what God says... We can't allow what we're carrying to hinder our purpose. We've got to take it off. David could not go into battle with something that wasn't his. He had to use a sling and some stones. And God used that ordinary thing to do an extraordinary thing. He had to move from how he felt to what God says. One more story is the story of Samson, the strongest man that ever lived. Again, Samson's story is very complex. The piece that we're going to focus on this morning is this time where Samson finds himself in a field. They've delivered him to his enemies, and his enemy is coming to capture him. Now, Samson is so strong. He's so formidable. He's infamous for being so strong and taking down mountains of people. Just he is the strongest man, the baddest dude in the land. So they sent 1,000 guys to come after Samson, a thousand warriors, and Samson's bound up. So here it is, and you've got Samson looking out, and there's a thousand men coming at him. He has no sword, he has no spear, he's got nothing. His hands are actually bound. And this is where we take our story from. When Samson came to the place named Lehi, the Philistines came to meet him, shouting for joy. Then the Spirit of the Lord entered Samson and gave him great power. The ropes on him weakened like burned strings and fell off his hands. Samson found the jawbone of a dead donkey, took it, and killed a thousand men with it. That's ordinary to extraordinary. Now, l- l- let's put it this way. So maybe under- you'll understand the scale a little bit better. That's like everybody in this room charging at me, and all I've got is the jawbone of a donkey, and you guys have swords and spears and all that. Yeah. Actually, look to the person next to you and say, I think we can take this guy. <laughs> I feel really sorry for you guys in the front, because you're going to get my best shot. I, I'm, I'm coming at you really, really strong. But outside of that, you guys have a really good chance of taking me down and taking me out. Samson has nothing. He looks around, and he sees the jawbone of a donkey, and he takes down a thousand men with it. In order to go from ordinary to extraordinary, if we're going to move away from how we feel and move into what God says, we can't allow our present circumstances to discourage us. We cannot allow our present circumstances to discourage us. So what am I saying this morning? What I'm saying is, if, if you've only lived your life in your own strength, then it's only been an ordinary life. It doesn't matter how successful you are, how successful you've been. If you've done it in your own strength, it's been an ordinary life. But we have the opportunity to go from ordinary to extraordinary. And this morning, I want to ask you three questions that I believe the Lord asked those three gentlemen in the Bible. The first one is this. What's in your hand? you're going to move from ordinary to extraordinary, God is ready to use whatever is in your hand. Now, that could be a lot of things. It could be an idea. It could be a business. Whatever it is, once you're ready to move from ordinary to extraordinary, you have to be ready to say yes to God. But unlike Moses, we can't allow our present circumstances to discourage us. We can't disqualify ourselves. Moses was 80. This has nothing to do with how old you are or what you've done, how successful you've been in one avenue. This has nothing to do with that. What's in your hand? Number two, like David, what do you need to take off? What's on you presently that you need to remove from yourself in order to carry out your purpose? Now, that could be a lot of things, that could be anxiety. That could be stress, and that could be pride. I I, got to take this pride off of me if I'm going to do what God says. So like David, we need to take off those things, those limitations that are on us, if we're going to do what God says. And when we do what God says, we go from ordinary to extraordinary. And the last question is this. What's around you? What do you have around you? If you're going to move into that extraordinary life that God has for you, some of you are saying, hey, I don't have anything in my hands. I don't have any ideas. I don't have a business. I'm just a regular dude. I'm just a regular gal. But what's around you? Samson used the jawbone of a dead donkey. Do you have some dreams in your life that you've let die? You've let those dreams die. They've fallen beside you, and you've forgotten about them. You don't even know that they're there anymore. If you're going to take down a thousand men, if you're going to take down all these things that come at you, because it's life, all these things that are coming at you, if you're going to go from ordinary to extraordinary, it's time to pick up that dead dream. That dead dream is the very thing that God wants to use to take you from ordinary to extraordinary. So I've said a lot of things this morning. And it's been incredible to see how these ordinary objects, these regular objects, have been used by humans to do great things. They've done good things. How much more amazing is it? How much more incredible is it when we put our whole lives in God's hands and he does the extraordinary through our lives? If we're going to go from ordinary to extraordinary, we have to put our whole lives in God's hands. How do you do that? It's a yes to God. It's a yes to God. Moses said yes to God. He doubted him at first, but he said yes. David, when he heard what was going on, he said yes to God. Samson, the spirit of the Lord rushed in and. He said yes to God. If we're going to move from how we feel, which may be fear and insecurity and doubt and anxiety and stress, and move into the extraordinary things that God has for us, which is peace and love and joy. If we're going to move from there to there, we have to say yes to God. Our lives are normal, are regular, no matter how accomplished we are. you're you're a businessman or a politician and with a pen you can change the fabric of your entire business just with a pen but the most important thing in your life is what God says this is impressive but this is extraordinary we have to do what God says and what he says we have to align how we feel with what he says how does that happen? Through a yes. In John chapter 15 and verse 5, it says, I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. God wants to live us, wants us to live. A fruitful and powerful life. And if we're going to go from ordinary to extraordinary, it's that yes to God. It's placing our lives, everything we have, in God's hands. So quite simply, it's this. My life in God's hands becomes something more. Your life in God's hands. Become something more. I want to invite the prayer partners to come forward and let's all stand. We all have the potential to do extraordinary things. God sees that potential. Every season of our lives. And he wants to use us to do extraordinary things for him. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never surrendered my life to God. I've been living an ordinary life. Some of it's been great. Some of it's been not so great. But I haven't stepped into, I haven't walked an extraordinary life. And if you're here, I want to invite you to come forward. And maybe you're here and you know that there are certain areas in your life where you haven't fully surrendered to God. Maybe it's time you surrender that idea to God. That dead idea that you've let die. Maybe it's time for you to put that in God's hands and watch him bring it back to life. Maybe it's your family. Maybe you need to learn how to lead your family well. Maybe there's some things that you've always prayed for and you need to see breakthrough in it. If you're going to go from ordinary to extraordinary, it's a yes in the middle. Let's say yes to God this morning. Let's pray. we feel and what you say is such a big gap. This morning we say yes. We say yes to you so you can close that gap. Come into our lives. Use what's in our hand. Use what's around us. Use what we've taken off and we've picked up. Use all these situations and things that we have in our lives. We invite you, Lord, to help us go from ordinary to extraordinary. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You dismiss.